Kelly draws the slide. Man's wide open. Time. Room. Bullseye. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome to episode quattro of The Crease Die, presented by Barstool Sports, your one-stop shop for that stick talk for lax rats by lax rats. I'm Jordy from Barstool, joined alongside me, as always, the dude, Robbio. Rob, how we doing today? Jordy, what is up? And boys, what is up? Lax is back. What a weekend of college across that was. Dude, absolute sick weekend of college across, and I think we've got an absolute sick episode of the Crease Dive coming up for everybody here. We got a great A interview with the biggest baller in college across right now, Justin Gutterding from Duke. So that'll be coming up a little later in the episode. So you guys are going to want to stick around to see that one. Uh, but you know, great weekend of college across, great week for the Crease Dive. Really just a great week to be a sports fan. Um, you know, we got the Olympics in full swing. And, uh, you know, I, I've been watching some of these games so far. And there are some obscure as shit sports being played in, in these Winter Olympics. Robbie, today I was glued to my TV. I was watching Doubles Luge. Have you ever seen Doubles Luge? <laughs> I, I have not seen Doubles Luge. Yeah, so what this is, it's just two dudes laying on. It's regular luge. But now you just add another dude laying on top of of the bottom guy. So we've got it. We've got a top and a bottom going down together. <laughs> this this giant sheet of ice. And I'm thinking to myself, like, yo, like, how many double losers could there possibly in the world? Like, put put a ballpark on it. What do you think? Maybe like a hundred. I'm, I'm probably gonna say. Oh, oh, I was gonna say a little seventy five. I, I don't think I've ever imagine going to a bar and be like, hey, what are you? Oh, I'm an Olympic athlete. What are you? I'm, I'm a double luge loser. Yeah. <laughs> you like just weird brag in general yeah <laughs> and i we we could be way off here there could be this this huge doubles luge community that we just haven't tapped into maybe we'll have to get a, a doubles luge podcast going on but I, i'm thinking there have to be more lacrosse players in the world than double losers so if double luge and some of these other obscure sports can get themselves into the winter olympics i, I feel pretty confident that the time is coming up very soon that we start to watch lacrosse and, you know, we could either get field lacrosse in the summer Olympics or maybe some box slacks in the winter Olympics. But you know, the, these winter Olympics so far in, in uh, South Korea, it's really just got me itching for, for some, uh, you know, for some lacks in the Olympics. Yeah. I'm, I'm staying positive on the whole lacrosse being the 2020 winter Olympics. I mean, if, if King Jong-un's sister can be in the winter Olympics, I think we could throw uh, a couple of cross teams in the mix there. Dude, Kim Jong-un's sister smoke alert she would definitely i i don't know if this is going to get us bombed or anything like this but kim jong-un's sister would definitely get caught hooking up with a lax bro a lax bro <laughs> would go right in there and steal kim jong-un's sister from her boyfriend i was just about to call her a rocket so i'm glad <laughs> i stayed away from that moving on to let, let's just recap this past weekend of lacrosse starting off with Towson hopkins Jordy, what, what did you think about that game? What did you think about that that rivalry? Those are two teams that hit, that hit each other. Yeah, so this is the fast break segment here of the crease dive. So we're just going to hit these ones real quick. But speaking of real quick, it was a quick knockout for Hopkins taking down Towson last Saturday. I mean, that was – I was way off on that one. I, I had my pick last week. I, I thought that Towson was going to make sure that that was a one-goal game. I thought that that was going to be you know probably one of the better overtime games we saw of the weekend. But Hopkins just came in and really just beat the brakes off Towson. I mean, that hidden ball trick was it, like the level of disrespect it takes to pull that one off. They're up 9-2. I think the score is 9-2 at the point. In the second quarter, their man up. At that point, that you know, you you have the game. Like you don't need to add any insult to injury. They break out a hidden ball trick. This is what we've seen from Hopkins in their opening game for the last couple of years now, and just pour it on. You know what? What 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 do you got on that? I mean, the, the absolute disrespect to pull a stunt like that in the second quarter. I mean, those dudes from Hopkins were and hats off to them. I mean. They were flying around out there. They were having fun, and they were just doing it in style. Those those uniforms were absolute fire. The helmets, the decals, everything about that kit. I, the, possibly my favorite jersey combo of the weekend. Um, and then also Quinn Kessnich is back. 
Yeah, well, well, welcome back, Quint. Uh, it's it's so good to have you back. Uh, let's let's hope that he doesn't block me anytime soon because he is a son of a bitch for that. Uh, so yeah, so moving on from uh, from a beatdown, you know, uh, pretty much a uh, you know, a, no one really expected that beatdown. Now let's talk about a game that nobody expected to be close, but this one came down to the wire in overtime. North Carolina just squeaking by Furman 15 to 14 in overtime. I mean, the Tar Heels, what what is going on right off the gate for UNC? Ah, dude, I don't know. I just feel like they don't really have a real dodging threat. They tried moving Kelly down to attack. Yeah, he's very, very talented, but he, he's not he's, – he's just not like a Billy Bitter or like UNC attackman that you see in the past. You got that guy, Andy Matthews, who's got that assist streak. He's a feeder, but he doesn't – not really a threat. You know, I I was watching that game because I had Furman as my lock of the week at plus eight and a half. I mean, the disrespect to give Furman that many points. Hats off. That, I mean, they went up 4-1. Yeah, they ended up losing that game. But, you know, Furman – Furman kind of showed that they could play with anyone in the country with a UNC team that, I don't know, I think I'm going to be shorting them this season. But shout out to Furman for putting up a good fight. And also shout out to number 44, Jonah Moore, for that Fortnite goal sally. That was that was something. The only thing in that game that I, I, that I appreciated more than that celebration, Tanner Cook of the Tar Heels. I don't know if you saw this goal or not. Probably you did. I think everyone at this point has seen this goal. One-handed in the crease, Rabio. This is why we say, "Fuck, fuck the fundamentals." Here on the crease dive, because Buddy goes one-handed in the crease with his free hand. He's holding on to the D midi stick that's covering him in the crease, keeping that stick down. The amount of balls that it takes to pull off this move. So one hand on his own stick, one hand on the defender's keeping it down. Snags the pass in the crease, one hands it in back of the net. I mean, that's just that that's a goal right there that it just takes it takes balls and it takes style. It takes a you know, like a a, a real I don't know if I'm using this word correctly. I just like the way that it sounds, but there's a genesis qua about that goal. And you know, <laughs> now now that I say it, I definitely don't think that I use that one correctly, but we're gonna roll with it anyway. So that was probably my favorite goal of the week. I just wish that it came on a more dominant performance from the Tar Heels. Uh, Another game that not only went into one overtime period, but we got double OT in just the second weekend of college lacrosse. So shout out to the lax gods for that one. We got Virginia topping Loyola, your Loyola Greyhounds who you've been, you've been talking up the last couple of weeks. (laughs) Virginia comes out and they get the the 13 to 12 win in double overtime. This is uh this is one that I kind of talked myself into by the end of of last episode. I uh last episode I think I started off pretty low on Virginia. Thought that they were dead. Talked myself in, you know, Lars Tiffany, second year there. He's about to turn this program around. They're about to finally get back into the heat of college across. So, Virginia with a double OT win over Loyola. Who 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 uh, you know, who surprised you in that one? Uh, who surprised me there? Um, dude, Docs Aiken and Conrad. Those were two names that I brought back in the episode or last episode. And those are just young kids that I said that were going to have to step up. They were both top five inside lacrosse recruits in the country coming out of high school. Conrad being number one and, you know, doing the whole U19 Team USA thing. And, you know, Docs Aiken scoring the OT winner there. Like, that. that's huge. And the thing about these guys is – they're pretty unorthodox when it comes to the midfield. They they play the wings on the faceoff. So to have two offensive threats on, on the faceoff wing, like that, that totally changes the game. It's a, that's a matchup nightmare right there. Those are some grinders right there for sure who will beat the shit out of you if you give them open space. So Virginia Loyola, they combined for, I'm, I'm not a math wizard here, but 13 to 12 and double overtime. That's a combined 25 goals. Another game that ended with a combined 25 goals. Syracuse versus Binghamton. However, it was Syracuse putting up 21 against Binghamton, who only goes, they they get four in there. So Syracuse starting off their season 
with a beatdown. And and I know that Binghamton's not a you know they're not a powerhouse. There no one expects you know Binghamton to come into the season and and really give Q's that much of an of a problem. But I mean, uh, putting up twenty one goals in your first game of the season, I mean. Cuses, they were they were ready to go, and you know we we saw we saw the Syracuse team win like about you know fifty games last year by just one goal. Um, so to come out and get a seventeen goal win in the first week of the season, that uh that that that's got to be good to get in some of those guys on the offense rolling. Yeah, I mean that was not a cardiac Cuse type of game, but dude, that is another team. They were having so much fun, goal after goal, smiling. I mean the boys of Cuse just put on a freaking clinic on Binghamton dude and shout out to Nate Solomon for making ESPN's top 10 at number three with that disgusting uh around the world goal to put it in the top pocket I mean that Binghamton goalie got absolute absolutely shelled it it must be a horrible two weeks to be be that Binghamton goalie they just got sprayed against Colgate 21 to 4 also uh the other night so it's it's not a good couple weeks to be a wildcat yeah I'd uh you know I I feel bad for them, but they're uh, they're they're definitely not getting a ton of people out to their parties this week. Um, but <laughs> such is life. I mean, every every year, you know, someone needs to be you know getting uh getting getting waxed a little bit. Just just so happens to be Binghamton. So shout out to them for their sacrifice. Uh, but yeah, so those were you know those were some of the the highlights from from last week in in lacrosse. Uh, you know, so real quick, we're just gonna go through a new little segment here. We got man up, man down. Little, uh, you know, teams who have impressed us, players who have impressed us over the last week, and uh, you know, some teams that you know their their stock is dropping a little bit. Uh, so right now, my man up for last week in college lacrosse, I've got two here. Going to start off with I'm going to be double dipping here for the first man up man down. Number one, we've got the Vermont Catamounts starting off the season three and zero. Robbio, I think you you were. You've been pretty high on Vermont all seasons through these through these four episodes. So I guess man up. I got three man ups. I got Vermont and I got you uh, for calling that Vermont was going to be man this year. But yeah, three wins to start off the season. They got a win over Furman, win over Mercer, win over Fairfield. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think that the biggest test in their season isn't going to come until you know about next month when they are playing at Albany in, in March. But I mean, that that's a huge start to the season for Vermont. They got Ian McKay coming in with, with eight goals right off the bat. Uh, you know, they, they've got a lot of guys who are contributing. So they're, they're a team that looks to be, you know, kind of clicking there. And uh, so besides Vermont and you, my third man up of the week, you kind of alluded to this earlier in the episode, Hopkins helmets against Towson were so, so fuego. Uh, Shout out to Johns Hopkins University for telling STX to kick rocks and getting rid of the stallions going right back to Cascade. They had, you know, black on black on black with the, with the pearly white face mask. So, I mean, I, I think all, especially night games, all across games at Homewood, look great I, I think that it's it's kind of it's the the perfect field for lacrosse everything looks better on homewood but especially when you're popping off the black lids with the with the pearl white face mask so those helmets were just sexual yeah i mean those those helmets were super clean and uh to attest to the vermont on the man of yeah my ian mckay jersey is coming in the mail shout out to the catamounts the crease dive has been on you since day one and we're gonna we're gonna keep riding you boys let's let's see a dark horse make their way to memorial day weekend so while vermont has been you know they've been a nice little surprise to start this season one team that's been uh, they didn't look great the first week of the of the season so my man down for this week as much as it hurts to say is gonna have to be notre dame um you know and again it's just it hurts to say this because i think there you know there are a lot of guys on this roster who i'm a fan of um you know i could watch Ryder garnsey play lacrosse you know nine days a week 25 hours a day but they just didn't look great in their first game against detroit mercy and I, that was a home game for them too they only got you know, a 10-7 win against Detroit Mercy. And I mean, no disrespect to Detroit Mercy. I, I think, you know, 
especially in the beginning of the seasons, I, you know, team, any team can kind of show up and give anybody else a run for their money. Um, you know, obviously these kids are all playing division one lacrosse, so they kind of deserve to be on that field, but I 10, seven is not a score that you're necessarily expecting out of a Notre Dame Detroit mercy game. No, not at all. And you alluded also to the fact, let's also go outside the box and talk about Cascade just butchering their lids with the black chin. You don't you don't do that to a Notre Dame helmet. Dude, if if I'm if I'm Rudy, I'm I'm catching wind of this and I'm marching my ass up to wherever Cascade's headquarters is and I'm beating the shit out of everybody until they give me an all gold lid. I that Again, I, I I guess I you know what F- fuck safety. That's another thing that that will uh, that's another motto here at the crease dive. The the cascade S it has that black piece on the chin. I guess that that's supposed to help for shock absorption or something like that. It's got to have some sort of significance. Get rid of it. it. No no one let people get hurt because look good, feel good, play good. It's it's all gonna be worth it. So Notre Dame. Fix your buckets and get yourselves back on track. Robbie, who uh, who do you got here for your man up, man down? So for my man down, I, I got UNC. I, I just – their goalie is an absolute melter. And Brescia is, in, like, notorious for, you know, pulling goalies and swapping them. Like, you've seen it, him do it before. Their defense – is pretty suspect um dude they just did not impress me they were they were home against the Furman team no disrespect to Furman they just they just did not look good they have no real offensive weapons their deep hole Rowlett he's an absolute stud he's disgusting he's been kind of rovering it's just they don't seem to be clicking and I kind of attest like I, I I've always said it UNC is one of those teams where they recruit so early, and I am very against that. Like, they recruit super young. For example, they have seven recruits already that have verbal before hitting high school. Can you imagine that? Like, not even – like, you haven't even gone to a prom yet, and you're going to verbally committing to UNC. Yeah, I mean, they've uh, they, they've been lucky enough to hit on some of those recruits. I know, you know, a, a – a Philly guy here, Joey Sankey, had a nice little career at North Carolina. Pretty sure he uh, committed there either, you know, freshman after his or uh, summer after his freshman year of high school. But yeah, they're they're always always picking up some of the earliest recruits, um, you know. And and you look at you know, so they're two and zero to start the season. They had a nice little nice little win against Lafayette to start it off. Then had that nail biter against Furman. Um, you know, Chris Cloutier doing what he needs to be doing. He's got, you know, 10 points in two games. Uh, Tanner Cook, another guy who, who's been finishing. So they're, they're getting, they're getting production from their, uh, from their big Canadians here. After that, it's, it's been a little bit of, of a drop off in production. So they've got, you know, these, these two Canadians who are going to be taking the brunt of the production so far. And, you know, if, if they're, you know, if defensively, if, if they're going to be given up, you know, 10 to 14 a game they're they're going to need to get you know production out of all these guys and once they start getting into a little bit of a a tougher schedule i I don't think that just two canadians are going to do the trick yeah i mean i guess that's a fair point but now still still going to short unc and their asterisks early recruiting also pretty bitter that no pun intended pretty bitter that uh breshy big dicked me when i was going through the recruiting process uh who i have for my man up it's going to be two dudes at a UVA. I do not have a clever name for them, and maybe you can kind of help me out. Got them as the UVA Bash Bros right now. Docs Aiken and Ryan Conrad, two absolute studs. We've talked about it before. They were kind of names that, you know, super heavily recruited out of high school. Ryan Conrad being the number one Intel across recruit in the country. Docs Aiken being a top five as well. Like, I just like, I, we were not, you know, and UVA has been in a slump, but we weren't hearing their names enough. And geez, man, they took over. They played the wings. They just did not get off the field. And then to top it off, Doc's Aiken with just the swim move in OT. Whew, so sweet. Ah, so th- th- that's going to be my man up, the UVA Bash Bros. Yeah, I mean, as I think, I, I'm a self-proclaimed number one Mighty Ducks fan on the internet, so I'm totally fine with sticking with the Bash Bros there. Um, I, dude, I get, 
I get winded just watching Conrad play. I mean, that you said it there. Dude never comes off the field. He's all over the place. Um, you know, lungs uh, for for days. So I'm, you know, I'm just winded on sitting on my couch drinking some beers watching him. So I don't know how he does it on the field. Um, yeah, and then dude, that that goal in double overtime from Doc's Aiken picks it up at midfield, takes it all the way down. I mean, that that's a it's a gritty ground ball. That that's that right there. That's Philly tough. That's how you know that Doc's Aiken, even though he's a private school kid. That's how you know he's a Philly boy because he's getting down and dirty for those ground balls. Takes it downfield, switches hands, splits the double team with the swim, back of the net, UVA game winners. That was such a man take to the net. And for that, Doc's Aiken is going to be awarded our big dick baller of the week. So congratulations to Doc's Aiken. It is a, it's, it's a very it's a high honor to achieve um at and at such a young age too i i just i couldn't be more proud of the guy so put it up on your refrigerator big dick baller of the week docs aiken and speaking of one big dick baller let's just move it right into another let's uh let's throw it right now to our interview first ever interview on the crease dive so this is a uh, it's a monumental moment here on tcd our interview with dukes justin gutterding all right, and right now we are lucky enough to be joined by probably the biggest baller in NCAA lacrosse right now from Duke University. We've got Justin Gutterding on the line. Justin, what's going on, buddy? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. What is up, Cuddy? We are happy to have Yo. you on the show. Yeah, so for anyone who's <laughs> anyone who hasn't been paying attention to college lacrosse so far early in the season, let's just go through a run through real quick, Cuddy, of, of your first three goal of your first three games of the season. Now we don't want to pump your tires too much because there's still plenty of season to be played, but you put up ten points against Air Force, eight points against High Point. Nine points against Jacksonville, but you've got 27 points in three games. I like for myself, like 27 points would be a sick ass season. You've got 23 points, and we're not even halfway through February. So, like, tell us real quick, like, how does it feel to just be like dope at lacrosse? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be honest, it's our, our, we got a sick team this year, we got a ton of offensive firepower. Um, and it starts from the defensive end, to be honest. Our, our defense is so athletic, and when they get stops, we're, we're out. And uh, we, we get the D-middies to run, and then w- even once we get um, the subs on and we get our offensive midfielders, we have so many guys that can make plays. Um, and it's just happened to be me so far, but um, it doesn't happen without guys either passing me the ball or guys hitting shots. So uh, it's been a ton of fun so far, and um, we're excited for the challenge uh, on Friday night against Denver. yeah you definitely definitely took some media lessons there yeah i mean you are yeah you're very very humble gutty but uh yeah no you're talking about how it (laughs) um no no it it really does start from the defense you got guys like jt giles and then i mean dude you're you're a senior duke lacrosse attacker like you're in the shoes of like jordy wolf like ned crotty how does it feel because like you're not only the the offensive weapon uh, at X right now, but you're also a senior leader, and you got young guys around you starting on the attack, and the midfielders like Quigley and Brad Smith. Like, how how do you play a role as that? Like, do you take a lot of pride in that? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it helps obviously being coached by Ned Crotty and and Matt Danowski, uh, two obviously Duke legends. They got both their numbers retired, and um, you know, player of the years. Those guys are they're absolutely just. They, they just taught me so much and uh, I've been coached for, by Matt for four years now and uh, he's kind of taught me the ways and um, yeah, we have so many, so many young guys and, um, but they're all great players and they have a ton of, a ton of weapons to bring. So it's been, it's been really fun so far. Yeah. I'll tell you what, what is nice to see right now. So, you know, talking about, you know, the points that you put up early on, it is good to see. So you've got, you got a few more assists so far this year than goals. So that's uh you know, that's a good way of, of making sure that everyone on that team keeps, uh you know, keeps, you know, maybe buying you a few more drinks at the bar or dropping off a case at your head. You know, you just keep feeding those guys, giving them the points. Um, You know, that, that's just, it's great to see. It'd be one thing if you were just, you know, some like slob on the crease, just putting away just buckets. Just, that was, that know. was my freshman year. I'm done with that. 
<laughs> Look at him. He's, he's a five-tool weapon now. So, but again, like, so this, this start of the season that you're having, you know, and the start of the season that your whole team is having, it has been great to see you guys are three and zero right now, just firing off. You got a big game coming up Friday, but you know, specifically you, um, you know, this is, this is again, your senior year, Robbie was talking about it. You've been here for a while. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people recognized you. Uh, you know, really bursting onto the scene last year. And then the start of this year, I don't know if you saw it or not, but the USILA, they put out a, uh, a player of the year watch list in the preseason. Um, a lot of great names on there, you know, guys like Connor Fields, guys like Ben Reeves. One name that, that was missing was Justin Gutterding. So a uh, two-part question here. I mean, one, did you see that list? And I, I think I know the answer to that. Probably, I think everyone kind of checks their mentions every once in a while. And two, like, is that something that you know kind of has you know thrown a little bit more fuel onto your fire heading into the start of this year? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be completely lying to you if I didn't if I said I didn't see it. Um, yeah, I, I've I've had plenty of uh, plenty of motivation that I've I've really needed, and um, that's that's not really something that motivates me. It's it's more that. Um, I'm in the senior class. It hasn't been a final four. So that's, that's kind of something that's more uh, motivating towards me. And obviously one of my goals is like individual is player of the year and tort and, and first team all American, like guys, if you're not, if you're not really aiming for that, like as a, as an attackman or any, any player, then, <clears throat> then what are you really playing for? Like, you, you know, um, guys work so hard and um, if you don't want to be the best, like, then what are you really doing? But um, yeah, no, I, I would say that's it's it's not really that's not motivation to me. Um, just just knowing that uh, I've been in that class that um, Coach Janowski is. It's it's you know we had they had eight eight years in a row that went to the Final Four, and then once I stepped on campus, we haven't been there since. So that's something that's definitely more uh, motivating to me. Yeah, and I mean just going off of that, I mean all all past three years at Duke, you know, not going to the Final Four, watching on your couch, and obviously you bring that with you to practice, and you know it's something that motivates you every day, like you said. Like, do you see that changing this year? Like, is there a different dynamic in the locker room? Is there a different feeling? Um, yeah, you know, I, I would certainly hope so. That's that's obviously what we're aiming for, but like, um, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely tough knowing that each day and. Um, that's something that these guys know, and we have a ton of guys that um, the senior class has been been great leaders so far, and um, obviously off to a great start. But uh, the season's just just really beginning now, so we just kind of got to keep this momentum going and um, keep playing hard. Yeah, so I mean, definitely a ton of momentum off the beginning of the season. That's kind of something that you know we haven't really got to see much from from duke in years past i i feel like you guys you always come into the start of the season you know and you guys are good for dropping you know maybe one or two quick games early in the season then everyone's talking about oh is this the year that duke's finally dead you guys always seem to bounce back towards the end of the season like you guys you have a coach danowski there and he's probably the greatest coach besides maybe like Tierney in the month of May. Um, so, I mean, obviously he gets you boys going, you know, when you need to be going later in the season. But, you know, 3-0 and to start the year, something that we're not used to seeing from Duke necessarily. So are the Blue Devils, answer this truthfully here now, Justin, are you guys worried that you're peaking too early? Uh, we would like to think that we, we really haven't begun to peak. We like playing our, our best lacrosse like towards the end of the year, obviously. Um, but I think it's, that's kind of a product of we've had guys that are playing together now for, for over a year instead of last year where we had, um, we had three freshmen or two freshmen and a sophomore starting in midfield. Um, and we had a freshman starting on attack. Uh, we, we were so young last year now that we've got these guys playing together for, for a little over a year now. Um, we'd like to think that we have more chemistry and um, we got like 80% or something like that scoring on the offensive end back. You know, we, we're missing, we're missing Bruckner and, and, uh, and it's, that's, that's kind of something that we've, we've kind of developed. We've had that chemistry now that um, even on the defensive end, we got uh, Cade Van Rapphorst and JT Giles Harris and Danny Fowler back, like leading the way. Um, we kind of have all these guys back that, that are really developing the chemistry and, um, yeah, we don't really think we're peaking too early. Love that. Love that. So, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, you guys do have a ton of returning guys and, and having that chemistry is going to be huge, especially later in the season, especially on Friday too against Denver. You guys, uh, so I guess 
by the time that this episode comes out, uh, it, it'll maybe be you know a few hours before you guys get that first face-off going against Denver. Um, so I guess while everyone's listening to it, you might also be watching Duke Denver as you're listening. That might be a little meta going on here. But so you guys have you know all this chemistry on offense and defense, and I think offensively that's going to be huge for you, especially going up against a guy like Trevor Baptiste, who you know. You, you guys, you know, Duke usually does fairly well at the face-off X, but Baptiste is an absolute animal, so that's always tough to go up against. So you guys might have limited possessions in that game, um, but, you know, what do you think that, that that chemistry that you boys have down there at attack, you know, what what's that going to do for your, you know, percentage of scoring on, on every, uh, you know, on every possession? Right. Yeah, he's dominant. So we kind of we kind of got to play it smart. Um, we got to take our chances while we get them. Like if we're in transition, we're gonna we're gonna go. It's not like we're gonna hold up. But uh, we got to make smart decisions. Definitely. Um, we're gonna have. Um, I, we we would think that we're gonna have less possessions than normal. But um, Brian Smith has done an incredible job at the X so far. He's making it a scrap, and that's really all you can ask for, uh, especially against Baptiste, who's uh who's on Team USA. Um, so it's it's gonna be a challenge, but. Um, we're just going to have to hit our shots and, and hit our opportunities, and I think I think we'll be okay. I mean, they're flying all the way to you guys. I'm pumped for the game. Friday night, 5 p.m. under the lights. If that doesn't get you <laughs> fucking jacked up, I don't know what does. Yeah, exactly. ESPNU, we're, uh, we're all ready. We're ready for the big show. Also, you got uh, you're, you're, you're coming to Philly next week, so uh, we might have to get a little – a little uh, crease dive live action going on at, at Duke Penn next week. If anyone's around the Philly area for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean that, that should be, you know, we're, we're looking to see Duke starting the season four and O. So if you guys are just flying around, you know, just staying at number one in the, in the nation, um, you know, starting off the season four and out, like where does Duke lacrosse rank? on campus you know you guys it's a it's a huge sports school um obviously basketball is is huge for you guys so if you guys are just you know ripping it up four and oh you know what's the pecking order like at duke you know who's running the campus at that point well you know it's obviously basketball they're 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 the guys those are the guys are going to be paid millions of dollars um uh we got we got football i would say next and and then hopefully us uh that's what i would like to think the football football guys uh they're a little bigger than us, but um, you know it's 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 all right. We we got good chemistry with, between the other teams, and uh, everyone's rooting for each other. Um, love going to the basketball games; those are electric. They're actually on right now. Um, and uh, yeah, footballs they they had a good year. They made a bowl, so um, Duke sports are are trending in the right direction. What do you think of Grayson Allen? That's part one of the question. <laughs> <laughs> he is King Joffrey of all of NCAA sports. Uh, what do you think of Grayson Allen, and what position do you think Grayson Allen would be if he was a lax bro? All right, first part, um, Grayson is a great guy. Uh, people obviously obviously shit on him a bunch, He's but uh, get to know him, and he's actually a really good dude. Um, super worthy, great, great guy. Uh, he's always out, you know, having a good time. Um, I could see why people don't like him on the court, obviously, but, uh, he's a competitor. And, uh, if I were to see him on the lacrosse field, I probably wouldn't want to see him, you know, playing midfield in open space. He's, he's pretty athletic and he's probably one of the most athletic white guys in college basketball, I would argue. Um, so yeah, I think, I think midfield, he would be pretty dynamite. Who wins in a 40 yard dash? Mayor Grayson. Yep. I, I would mean, he's probably got like five yard strides, but, um, I'm, I'm taking myself on that one. I like it. <laughs> All right. Heading into our final three questions here. Questions, uh, questions that we ask everybody, even though you're a first guest here. So, uh, so on Duke, who has control over the aux cord in the locker room? Who is throwing on the jams? Who's getting the boys fired up before practice, before games on road trips or whatever? Who's got the hottest tracks? I'm going to go with John Prendergast on this one, number six, defensive midfielder. He's, uh, he's having a great year on the field, and uh, especially in the locker room, he, he crushes the beats. Dude, every team, every team needs a locker room DJ who just puts on straight fire after fire. Nothing worse than when some asshole gets a hold of the aux cord and puts on <laughs> fucking John Denver and some shit like that. So that's, uh, that's good to hear. We'll keep, our, we'll keep our eyes out for him. Um, now – 
Here's uh here's where you can throw somebody under the bus if you want to here. Who's got, <laughs> who's got the worst style on the team? Now this is uh you know, you can take this any way you want to. You can go either on the field or off the field. You can do both. I mean, who's you know, who just looks like a total goober on the field and who looks like a goob off? Uh on my team? Uh oh, no, you can if you want to take some shots at anybody else. Man. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I'll go within my team. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Walker Scaglione. This this kid is like six seven on our team. He's an absolute monster. Um, and he has fire dance moves. Uh, with his long, ridiculous body. Um, he's he's a monster. He he's someone to watch out for in the next couple 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 of years. He's he's an absolute freak. Um. Just completely, completely dynamite. Um, once he's healthy, he'll he'll be uh, he'll be someone to watch out for on the defensive end. But he just can't dress for shit. Yeah, no. I mean, he's he's had some uh, some struggles, but he that kid can dance, and with his long body, it's it's pretty fun to watch. <laughs> and then our final question here, unless uh, unless Robbie, you got another one here, but last question of the day: What do you, Justin Gutterding? have to say to all the haters out there. Now, the haters, they can be a few different things because there are many, many haters in the world. So they could be haters of Duke. They could be haters of lacrosse. They could be haters of Chick-fil-A. Just what do you have to say to all and any of the haters? You know, just just keep hating. Uh, you just got to keep keep proving people wrong, which is uh, one of the favorite things of, of athletes. They love proving people wrong, and that's a competitive spirit in them. Uh, if you hate Chick-fil-A, then there's just something wrong with you. I don't really know what to say to you, those people out there. Yeah, and uh, we could definitely endorse that. Um, yeah, haters make me famous. You heard it here first from Justin. <laughs> so, Justin, thanks a lot for coming on, buddy. This was, uh, you know, first guest. So, uh, it, was it was it good for you? Because it was good for us. Oh, I had a blast. I gotta give I gotta give a shout out to uh, Ian Yanulis. He's he's a big Jordy fan. Uh, so he, he's gonna be pumped that I give him a shout out. Awesome. And my mom is definitely going to love to hear that because she loves hearing about Jordy fans. So Justin, <laughs> thanks a lot, buddy. Great time. Hey, great. Good luck with the rest of the season. Uh, you know, we'll talk to you throughout the year, but you know, I, I have a good feeling that we're going to be seeing you Memorial Day weekend on the field. Uh, also really, we'll, we'll see you. Uh, We'll see you against Penn next week when you're here. In we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see you at the Penn game. You're gonna see uh, the crease dive get a couple of field passes, and uh, we'll we'll be cheering for the Blue Devils. But no, uh, Justin, thanks so thanks so much for coming on, dude. Pleasure talking to you, and uh, keep crushing it the rest of the year, man. I had a blast. Thanks a lot, guys. And thank you again to Justin Gutterding for hopping on with us. I mean, dude, this kid is just having a ridiculous start to the season. We've talked about it there. And Duke, they've been having a great start to the season. I mean, 3-0 and to start the year for the Blue Devils. 27 points for Gutterding. It, it couldn't be going better for Duke. Um, you know, and, and they've got a big tilt, which uh, – so I guess, you know, we're recording on Wednesday right now, but I guess by the time – you know, we said that this this podcast comes out. They have a big tilt today against Denver. So let's uh, you know, let's just jump right into this weekend preview here, starting with Duke uh, hosting Denver today at I, I believe it's a five o'clock game, maybe a four o'clock game. Yeah, five, five, five o'clock game at Duke under the lights against two, two undefeated teams. Two, I mean, whoever whoever thought. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you you would say two lacrosse powerhouses, Duke and Denver. Yeah, I mean, we've got we've got East Coast elites going up against the Rocky Mountains. I mean, it, it just, you know, first off, shout out to to Coach Tierney for, you know, what a powerhouse he's turned Denver into. Uh, but just really goes to show how much the game has been growing over the last, you know, decade or so. So Denver's coming in and they're looking to knock off the number one team in the nation. This is, uh, you know, this is something that we we started to see a lot last year with number one teams going down. So, Rabio, do you think that we will get a new number one team in the country by the time that this weekend is over? Uh, see, uh, D- Denver is a wild card for me right now, um, just because due to their the, the games that they've played so far, they had the one game with Air Force in the snow. I don't know. It's just, you know, they got a lot of new faces, a lot of young dudes. But like you said, uh, you got tyranny on the sidelines. So 
you know, you're, you're looking at the players on the field, both Denver and Duke, but you're also looking at the sidelines. Just, this is a coaching matchup of just two legends of their craft, Donowski uh, and, uh, and Tierney. So, this is going to be this is going to be a good lacrosse game. You know that they're going to everyone's going to be really well prepared. Uh, this is going to be. I got Duke in this one. I think I don't have a strong belief. I, home home field in college lacrosse is obviously different than uh, home court in college basketball. But Denver plays the toughest schedule in my opinion. Like they are constantly on the road. Uh, so they, they gotta fly all the way out to Duke and play against the number one team in the country. That that's gonna be a test for this young team. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, this is definitely something that you know we're probably gonna say for every single Denver game. Uh, but it's really just going to come down to how dominant Trevor Baptiste can be at the faceoff X. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, they, it, this is a, you know, this, this isn't just, you know, a drive down the road to air force uh, for Denver. I mean, they, they've got to hop on a plane. They got to fly all the way down to, to Duke. Um, so, you know, that's going to mess up their, their practice schedule. That's going to mess up a lot of different things. So, you know, if, if they're, if, if they're not able to kind of control the pace of this game, not able to control, you know, the flow of the game with, Baptiste win and draw after draw, you know, it, th- this one could slip away from Denver because, you know, we've, we've mentioned it plenty of times before this, this Duke offense is just as lethal as it gets. This is uh you know, this is a game where it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for everybody on the field. It's going to be tough for the coaches, but it's going to be great for all the lacrosse fans out in the world. This one is going to be broadcasted on ESPNU. So, uh, you know, and I'm sure that that'll also be streamed on, uh, go ESPN or ESPN three, whatever they're calling it these days. So that's, uh, you know, we don't have a million chances to actually watch college lacrosse on television this year. Um, but this is definitely going to be one that lacrosse fans are not going to want to miss. Uh, now one, one game that is going to be a must watch. I don't know if this one is going to be broadcasted or not, but you need to make sure that you find a way to watch this game on Saturday We've got the Albany Great Danes opening up their season in the Carrier Dome against Syracuse. This is a game last year where it was early in the season, and I think you know it, it was it might have been the opening game for Albany. It might have been one of the first few games of the mm-hmm. season early on in the year, and it stood up for the rest of the year as one of the best games you know of the season. So we've got Albany at zero and zero coming in number three in the country, looking to get themselves going and get a nice little revenge win here against Syracuse. What do you got on this one, Robbie? Uh, this is this gets me fucking jacked up because I know how much Syracuse hates Albany and Albany hates Syracuse. Just a big in-state rivalry. This is the best weekend by far. And like you said, if you cannot find a way to watch it, like figure it out out because this game is going to be absolutely electric we got our boy tohoka nanako's first regular season college lacrosse game and this guy was was the one who broke the internet the iroquois who broke the internet with that one-handed behind the back btb goal um in the fall ball so he's gonna be coming i have a feeling this isn't in his favor he'll be guarded by tyson bomberry who has played with Tohoka all of his life, uh, grew up with him, knows all of his moves, played box with him. So I, I, it's not looking good for him. But then again, he could surprise me. What do you think? There's just there's so many. There's just so much going on in this game. Yeah. So I mean, a ton of eyes are going to be on Tohoka with his first game of his college lacrosse career at Albany. But. We've said it before. We'll say it again. We'll say it for the rest of the season while everyone's focusing on Tahoka. You also got to figure out how you're going to stop Connor Fields. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is going to be a test for Syracuse. They, they put up 21 points against Binghamton, gave up four goals. It's not going to be that easy for Syracuse this time. I mean, and, and I just don't know, you know, they, they lost you know, kind of, they, they lost a big senior class that played a big role in that cardiac cues, uh, that role that they went on last year with all those one goal games. Um, you know, and, and that's something that, you know, that that's just what they did last year, 
you know, I, I maybe maybe some people might think that Syracuse gets lucky with those one goal games, but when you're doing it that often, that frequently, you know, that kind of, that kind of shows the the mental toughness of a team. You know, they're a team that you know, regardless of what the score is, you know, they, they never think that they're out of it, or if they're up, you know, big, they know that there's still plenty of game to be played. Um, so, you know, when you lose that kind of leadership, I'll be very interested to see if that mindset is still there. So, you know, I, I think that Albany's coming in with a lot more firepower than they had last year by adding to Hoka. My dream for this game, I need, I need Syracuse to get up early and I need them to get up big. So I need them. I need Albany heading into halftime down, needing a little bit of a miracle. Dehoka Nanakoke rips off his cascade helmet, puts on his (laughs) box bucket, gets back out there and just goes to work. We get an overtime win from Albany, but it's, it's again, going to be a game that you cannot miss. So we've got that rivalry going on right there. Real, real quick. So last time Albany came into the Syracuse, into the Carrier Dome, your boy Fields, and he's my boy, we, we've been hyping him up since episode one, got absolutely eaten alive by a freshman at the time, Nick Mellon, preseason All-American. Held him to one point, one assist. That was two years ago in the Dome. And now he's going to play against him and possibly try to get revenge. He ate him up, made him look like a little bitch. He, he made him his bitch that game. Uh, Connor Fields was owned was property of Nick Mellon for that game. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it'll be tough to match that effort. Um, you know, this is, you know, opening day for Connor Fields. He's got a ton of hype on him. This whole Albany team has a lot of hype on him. And, and this isn't really something that we've, you know, I, I guess that they've had plenty of hype when they had Lyle and Miles and, and the Thompson brothers there. But I think that there's more hype on Albany now than ever before. So, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how they hold up to that. And it should be interesting to see how Syracuse's D comes out. And, you know, they, you said it, you know, this is a big rivalry. Syracuse hates Albany. Albany hates Syracuse. So obviously Cuse is going to want to come in here and kind of shut down all that hype right away. So like we said, you got to watch it, got to watch it. Uh, so that's, you know, one big rivalry game this week. Uh, an, another one here. So we've got, we've got some night on night crime. Coming up on Saturday, we've got the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, 10th in the country, 2-0, going up against the Black Knights of West Point. We've got Army clocking in at 12th in the country. They're also undefeated, 2-0. A couple undefeated teams here. Good starts to the season. This one is at West Point. Robbie, what do we got here? I know, uh, I, I know you've been a big, uh, big Rutgers guy so far this year. Yeah, I, I've been a fan of Rutgers, um, and I know you're not a fan of Rutgers and think they're very overrated and don't deserve to be in the top ten. But hear me out here, upset alert! Th- this is going to be an upset. I got Army winning this game. I know we hate fundamentals on the crease dive here. But these guys are absolutely these guys are absolute machines. They're robots when it comes to the fundamentals. I just Army look they look like they're on a whole nother level this year. And they, they've always been that way, but they just look so strong, so fast, and they're it's Army. These are a bunch of tough motherfuckers. Yeah, I uh, I mean I'm I'm right there with you. So they uh they opened up the season uh with you know a couple uh no disrespect, but a couple, couple gimmies with an 18-6 win over UMass, 14-5 over NJIT. Um, so, I mean, they've been putting up numbers. And, you know, this is, this is a defense where, like, listen, like, the United States, we won back-to-back world wars, all right? Our defense is impeccable. So when you've got the Army out there, you're not penetrating that defense. Like, you're, you're not, you know – Germany couldn't do it. Japan couldn't do it. Like, I, I don't think that a team from Jersey is going to just walk in there and do what, you know, hundreds of countries in the world couldn't have done before. And that's take down the United States army. So it, it's going to be tough for Rutgers to get points against this team. Um, you know, they're, they're coming in, they've got, you know, they're scoring about 11 to 12 a game against Robert Morris and St. John's. Uh, that's not going to be the case against Army this weekend. I think they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to find a way to win this game by scoring under 10 goals. 
Yeah, and you, you said it. I mean, with with Army, you know, being as as strong fundamentally as they are and just shooting the shit out of the ball, I, I just don't see how that happens. But again, I'm I'm waiting for Rutgers to prove me wrong. I'd I'd very much appreciate to be wrong about Rutgers and see them go on a nice little run here. Yeah, and I mean, last year I saw uh, Army play Rutgers at Rutgers, watching my boy Jeff George ball out and the rest of the Rutgers crew, and Rutgers beat Army. But that's also because Rutgers had Patrick McCabe, who is a U.S. Army veteran. But now that he graduated, I I think that cancels it out. I think Army wins by all. Yo, Rutgers, start to recruit more troops, and then, then you'll win these games. Uh, so yeah, so moving on, we've got, uh, we've, we've got lacrosse, the sport of the future, getting a prime time game in a prime time location. We've got number five, Yale playing against number 15, Nova at the star in Frisco. That is the Cowboys practice facility down there in Texas. Uh, I think they're calling this the Patriots cup. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, we've got we've got two teams playing down in Texas, big time stadium. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see how many tickets they sell to that. I, I, I feel like the uh, the star in Frisco isn't, you know, quite the uh, the attraction as, you know, Cowboys Stadium, but they should still get a decent turnout there. So we've got Yale. They're starting their season here. Uh, you know, the Ivy League usually gets a little bit of a later start than everybody else on the season. Uh, Nova is still coming off that uh, overtime win against Penn State. So they're 1-0. Yale is 0-0. They've got Ben Reeves, who is going to be hungry to put on a show. We've also got Nova having a little bit of trouble in between the pipes we've got goalie matt barrett going down with a i believe it's a foot injury maybe a leg injury did, did, did you see that yeah i saw that he's out for at least a month i mean that's that's that that's a huge blow um he was a <clears throat> he was a big addition big transfer out of uva um so not having him there is definitely going to hurt them this is going to be you know at a neutral site i don't think that makes too much of a difference but it's definitely gonna be pretty cool playing at the cowboys facility um you know, Nova has a game under their belt. Yale does not. Um, on paper, Yale is the better team. They're all around a good team. But their middies are somewhat of question marks this year. You know, you're graduating guys like Eric Scott. Um, but, yeah, you, you got Reeves and then The Undertaker, a.k.a. Matt Gaudet, as just absolute crease rat uh, in the middle. So Nova's going to have their hands full. Uh, their defense is relatively solid. I mean, yeah, they put up like a – <laughs> they got dunked on by Penn State. I mean, even though they, they they ended up pulling out that win, great win, but, I mean, they let up 16 goals, so their defense didn't seem to be their first game. Um, this is going to be who, – who do you have? This, this is a toss-up for me. Now, here's the thing. Now, I, I feel like everybody who's you know not from Philly is probably sick of hearing me talk about this at this point, but – Everything has been coming up Philly lately. I I know that some people, you know, find it a little bit of a stretch to consider Villanova Philly school. They're they're a little bit out there in the suburbs. Um, but you know, you've got I'm I'm considering them a Philly team all the way. So you've got a Philly team going down playing in Jerry Jones's stadium. There'd be nothing sweeter than to see Villanova get out of there with a win. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe, may, maybe leave a few dumps in the stalls there too, on their way out so <laughs> that, uh, Jerry and the crew can clean that up. So it's going to be tough with, without Barrett in the net, but I mean, I, I would, I think I gotta, I gotta ride with Nova. I gotta ride with, with Philly sports on this one. Um, Yale's going to have a great season, but I don't think that it's, it's going to start off the way that they want it to. Yeah, I'm right with you, Jordy. I got Villanova pulling this one out. John Clue, Christian Cuccinello putting the teams on their backs. And I think they take down uh, the Bulldogs, dude. I, I think number three, uh, they're number five because they didn't play. But I think they go down this uh, this week. So this is going to be an interesting game to watch. Uh, definitely have eyes on that. I'm usually more of a dog person than a cat, but I've got Wildcats over the Bulldogs. So that uh, those are the biggest games that you've got to keep an eye on this weekend. I mean, there is going to be, you know, by my count here, there, there's at least, you know, 10, 15 really good games on the schedule for this weekend. But those are the four that you have to get your eyes on. 
Uh, so moving on, let's do a little, uh, let, let's get some line drills going here and let's make some picks on the week. Again, these picks as always are brought to you by lax Vegas lines on Twitter. You got to follow them. You got to make sure that your bookie takes these lines because you can make straight cash and you can take these picks to the bank because the boys have been on a roll these last couple weeks. So, uh, let's get right into these. So, uh, Robbie, Oh, we've got. Plenty of big games on the schedule here. A lot of tight games here. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a dicey weekend for gamblers out there. So let's just start off with some of these games that are gonna come down to the wire here. We're gonna start off with Hopkins being favored two goals at Loyola. Who do you got in this one? Blue Jays or the Greyhounds? We we got a tight slate line-wise uh, this weekend. Hopkins leaving Homewood, going to the home of the Greyhounds, Loyola. Whew, they're coming off an absolute molly whopping against the Towson Tigers. Jordy, I like Hopkins minus two here, man. I, they, they seem to be having fun. They seem to be clicking, and they were doing it in style with those fresh jerseys. I got Hopkins minus two. How about yourself? Now, here's the thing. I, I thought for sure that last week was going to be a real tight game between Hopkins and Towson. I was completely wrong on that one. But what we've seen from Hopkins over the last couple of years is a little bit of inconsistency. Now, I don't think it's going to be inconsistent for them to come out here and have a tight game against Loyola because Loyola is just a great team. So, uh, But I do think that you know I, I just don't feel comfortable with Hopkins coming out and having two back-to-back molly whoppings to start off the season. So I, I see Loyola keeping this one close out in their home barn. So I, I think Hopkins comes away with the win, but Loyola is going to cover. So I'm going Loyola plus two in this one. Uh, moving on, we have, again, the Battle of the Knights here. We got Black Knights versus Scarlet Knights. This one is in West Point. Army is favored three goals against Rutgers. Now, here's the thing. I know that I haven't been given Rutgers the respect that they deserve. And I know that I, you know, I, I, we're, we want to be a pro troops podcast here. We always want to support the troops. With that being said, I don't think that you can give, uh, you know, Ruck, Rutgers plus three here seems like it, it's going to be easy money. I mean, this is going to be a game that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at an overtime here. I mean, the, Rutgers is. You know, I, I don't think that they have what it takes to kind of come out on top of this one, uh, especially with the game being in West Point. But I, I don't think that this one's going to have, you know, I don't think anyone's going to blow the doors off anybody here. So I'm going Rutgers plus three here. What do you got? See, I have the opposite mindset as you. I think your bookie is telling you, hey, come here, give me that action. Take Rutgers plus three. Dude, Rutgers is uh they're ranked higher uh they're just like notoriously like last year Rutgers beat army but this is a new year and we are a pro true podcast here on the crease dive and i think i'm I'm going army minus three i i actually think this might be a six goal game i i love army in this game yeah i mean i i still don't feel totally comfortable here going against army but it just I, I feel it in, in my heart. I feel it in my brains. I feel it down in my cup. I think Rutgers plus three is, is the play here for me, but uh, we'll see. So we're, uh, we're, we're on different sides here on both of these. So this should definitely, uh, you know, one of us is going to end up looking like a genius and the other one's going to look, end up looking like an idiot by the end of the weekend. And now we've got two games coming up here that I got to be honest. If, we're going to give you the picks here, but I do not feel comfortable putting money on either of these ones because these are going to shake up. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to be a crapshoot either way. So let's start off. We've got this afternoon. So probably by the time you're either listening to this or or maybe even, you know, it, it, it already happened by the time that you're listening. We've got Denver traveling to Duke Friday afternoon game. The Dukies. Favored one goal, Rabio. What do you got? Keep in mind, we just had Gutterball on the pod. Shout out to Gutterball for coming on the pod and crushing it, dude. The Pio is making the trip from the West Coast to the oh to Duke. 
I'm riding. I'm riding the Blue Devils minus one here. I think, like you said, this is going to be just an. This is going to be a tight game. Going to be a really good game. Two of the top teams in the country, two lacrosse powerhouses, going at it uh, early in the season as well. Um, I got Duke minus one here. Uh, what what are, what are you thinking? Where are yeah, you, you know what? Actually, the more that I think about it right now, I think no matter what play you come out with here, it's it's going to end up being a push. I, I think that one is on the money here. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you can just throw whatever you want on here and you're just going to come away even. Uh, but, I again, Baptiste is a beast. But I think that, you know, especially Gutterding talking up that Duke attack unit, uh, he, he's got me real pumped on, on Duke's offense this year. So I think even with the limited possessions that they'll get with Baptiste just eating up faceoffs, I, I like Duke minus one here. Um, but again, I, I'd, I'd go green if if I were you. I, I would just say that it's going to be a one-goal game and uh, see what you can get there. And then if, if you think that Duke and Denver is going to be a tight one, well, now we've got probably my favorite game on the slate this weekend. We've got Albany traveling to Syracuse. The Great Danes starting off their season. Cuse already has that big 1-0 start. And this one's a pick em. So this is just, you know, this is just you, you reach down and this is a pick that comes from your balls. So, Robbie, I'm going to let you take this one first. I feel it. I and and you know what? I feel it, and it's a great feeling too. The Great Danes coming into the Carrier Dome. I love Syracuse here, dude. I, I got Syracuse walking away with this game. It's going to be a tight one. Like we said, it's an in-state rivalry. Two teams that can't stand each other. They always circle each other up and play early in the season. Um, I just think the matchups are in Syracuse's favor, and it's the Carrier Dome is always a tough place to play. Um, I got Syracuse walking away with this one. Wow. The cardiac Cuse all over again. Uh, now, here's you know my action right now. I'm looking at this over-under. It is set at 30 goals. It is, it is easily the highest over-under of the weekend. And if I'm you at home, I am hammering the shit out of that over with with what the you know we saw Syracuse put up 21 against Binghamton. We've got Connor Fields and Dehokan Nanako coming in with Albany. I mean, there's it's going to be a brutal day to be a goalie in the Carrier Dome on Saturday. Uh, so look at that over at 30. I mean, this could be like a 35 goal game. Uh, obviously, I have to ride with my Great Danes in this one. I mean, they. They they weren't able to pull it off against against the Orange last year. You know, kind of had that last minute goal for Syracuse to really kick off that whole cardiac use run that they went on last year. Uh, so I see Albany coming in here with a ton of revenge, and plus they're you know they they've loaded up on talent again. So uh, you know I th- I think as long as TD Ireland is able to handle his own in the faceoff X there. Keep giving Albany some more possessions. It, you know it's going to be huge. With how many goals are in this game, there's going to be a lot of faceoffs. If you win the faceoff battle and you give Connor Fields into Hokanatikok the ball enough, you're going to come away with this one. So I've got Albany as my winner in that one, which brings us to our mortal locks. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and go first on this one. Mortal lock for myself. Week four of the crease dive. I am going the Princeton. Tigers minus four and a half over Monmouth. Uh, This is Princeton's first game of the season, and it's the first game of Michael Sauer's sophomore year. And with, you know, we've talked about him before on this podcast before with what he's able to do with the ball in a stick, with the ball out of his stick, just what he's able to do to quarterback that offense. I just, there aren't many polls in the country who can handle Michael Sauer's. And no disrespect, but none of the polls that can are currently playing for Monmouth. So I, I've got Princeton winning that one big. Who do you got? I got Marquette minus two and a half over the Jacksonville Dolphins. I got some heat uh, in the early episode when Jacksonville upset, shocked the world against Navy first game of the season at Jacksonville. But this is a different story, dude. The Finns are flying to Marquette, playing Marquette. And, and hey, think about this, though. Marquette has yet to play a game. 
They have yet to play a game. They're zero and zero, and Jacksonville's one and one. So they have two games under their belt. But I love Marquette minus two and a half. I think it's going to be cold. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be gritty. And uh, I think Jacksonville. I don't think they can handle the weather. And I think they're going to get a little little jet lag. And uh, I'm all over Marquette here. That's my mortal lock of the week. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think anybody wants to travel to Marquette in February, let alone to go play a lacrosse game. So uh, that that's a pretty smart pick there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that is going to wrap it up for episode four of the crease dive. Thanks so much to everyone for, for listening. Uh, it, it's been a great ride so far. Uh, special big time shout out to Justin Gutterding for hopping on here, being our first ever guest on the podcast. Uh, that's that's huge for us. I think it's it's huge for you guys. So you know we're really looking forward to bringing on more guests here. We're looking forward to you know giving you guys some more inside looks of what's going on with some of the biggest names in lacrosse. Uh, so again, thanks everybody for listening. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at the Crease Dive. Follow us, interact with us, uh, slide into the DMs because they are extremely open. Uh, let us know what you want to hear on the podcast. Give us some ideas of what guests you would like to see. Just send us in any cool shit you want to do. So uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Crease Dive. Thanks a lot for listening. We love you guys. And remember, low to high to the day we die. We out. One, two, three,